the problem with uh making sex taboo is that then it controls you so then it becomes a tool that can be used like if you're an advertiser like sex is a good tool to use to advertise because we don't talk about it and because it's taboo and it's separate from our lives so it has all this sort of underground control of us as you know um so that's what makes it good for commercial use you know what i mean because you can manipulate people with it whereas if it was like part of everyday life and something that we could talk about organically like it wouldn't work as well to like sell tomatoes or whatever Radio Mano Papachango Chris, my name's Cameron. Um, currently shoveling a shitload of dirt, um, getting ready to build myself a, a little airship-style tire home out here uh, with a nice, beautiful view of Lake Atitlan in Guatemala. Um, so I just want to thank you so much because you're one of the major reasons I'm out here doing what I'm doing. I'm a recent college grad, and you know, decided not to go for the secure the secure route in American life, but uh, I'm out here trying to make a dream come true, and it's all thanks to you. So anybody out there who's thinking of doing the same thing, say go for it. Get out of the system and enjoy life because it's beautiful out here. Take care. Hey Chris, it's Shanna, Josie, and Crystal. We're three nurses from Calgary, but we're currently in beautiful Victoria, British Columbia part of the soon-to-be land of legalized marijuana. Yay, Canada! Anyway, we're in Victoria for the Psychedelic Psychotherapy Forum. Some really cool talks here today. Um, If you haven't uh, read any of Robin Carhart Harris's work, you should check him out. Smart guy. We just wanted to say thanks for your podcast. We're faithful listeners. Uh, It not only opens our minds, but gives us hope that there really are still some cool good people left in the world thanks love you bye hey chris this is kevin coming at you from the jungles of peru Uh, i've been volunteering at a uh ayahuasca center here and um yeah i'm holding down the fort here over the holidays spending uh the new year with peruvian hairless dog and in a chihuahua so, and you, and listen to some of your uh, podcasts here. So I just want to say thanks for uh, spending the new year with me and the dogs. And I appreciate you and all that you do and keep on rocking, man. Cheers. Yeah, happy new year to uh, you, the Peruvian hairless dog and the Chihuahua. Uh, nice to be with you. It's uh, obviously not New Year's. It's early March, but uh, these snips come in when they come in, and I upload them onto my um, Google Drive thingamajig, and I don't really, maybe I'm doing it wrong, but the dates get all messed up, so I I, I don't know. There's They're not like listed by when I upload them, so I kind of pull them down randomly. So, um, yeah, people are sitting by beautiful lakes in Vermont 
looking at the stars and I play it in the middle of January and people are going, what the fuck? That's not possible. So yeah, they're not uh, time sensitive is what I'm saying, but they're beautiful. They're fucking beautiful whenever they come in. So thank you to dude in Peru, dude in uh, Guatemala near Lago de Atitlan. I hope your house is farther along now or maybe finished and uh three women in uh victoria at the psychedelic psychotherapy conference i hope that went well whenever that was so keep sending those things in i'll get to them it's random it's kind of like a lottery thing it's like pulling numbers out of a hat since google drive eludes me i I don't understand it uh but i put them up there so that you know when i'm on the road i'll be able to pull them down and don't have to worry about somebody stealing my computer or something or a technical uh, malfunction and losing them all. So thank you for those. You can send those to uh, ChristopherAssistant at gmail.com or I think there's also, uh, what is it, intros, intro at tangentiallyspeaking.com, I think it is. Um, yeah, intro at tangentiallyspeaking.com. I uh, love them. I love to hear from you. So thank you for those. Speaking of road trips, uh, looks like Kyle Tierman and I are going to be in Austin, Texas uh, at the Patagonia shop in Austin, Texas, April 5th, I believe, uh, giving a talk. I'm not sure. I think it's about the Motherfucker Awards. I'm not 100% sure. Um, But if you're in Austin or around there and you want to come say hi, we'll be confirm it with the Patagonia store um, because Kyle's handling all this and um, I'm just sort of coming along for the ride, but I'll be there and Kyle will be there and I think we'll be talking mofas. So hope to see you there. I'm also going to be cruising around in the van this summer. looks like I'm leaving early May from LA, going to go up the West Coast podcasting all the way to Vancouver. Looks like I think I'm going to uh, raft down the Deschutes River with my buddy Justin, episode 99. I like to call him 99. Uh, in uh, mid May, with him and his buddy. If you listen to that episode, it's one of the best. It's one of my favorites. He tells this incredible story about him and his buddy Birch and Birch's dad rafting down this river. It's a three day trip and you're out of touch there are no roads no houses no nothing for three days you're just it's just you and the river and um they came to the the top of a a particularly heavy set of rapids and birch's dad wasn't feeling real well so they pulled over to rest for a minute and basically birch's dad had a heart attack and died and uh so birch and and justin um, and the body of Birch's dad had to go for another couple of days down the river. And, uh, yeah, shit started happening. I mean, it had already started happening, but it continued happening. I won't ruin the story, but, um, episode 99, Justin DeRider, one of my best buddies. So I'm going to be doing that same trip with Justin and Birch in mid-May. Hopefully, I will not uh, die on the way. But if I do, it's a pretty cool way to die. Die with some good dudes. And um, 
but I hope I hope that's not how it happens, at least not this year. Anyway, that's in uh, mid-May. Then uh, looks like I'm going to head up to Seattle, Vancouver, then maybe go over the Canadian Rockies to Banff or so, and then down through Montana, Wyoming, into Colorado. And uh, that's the idea anyway through the summer. So if you're along that route and you want to say hi, uh, keep in touch. I will be stopping in and visiting people as I go, which is the best part of anthropologizing. Uh, It's just cruising around and meeting people uh, who either listen to the podcast or have friends who listen to the podcast and, you know, put me in touch with them or visit places that uh, you guys recommend to me. It's such a fucking great way to travel. Uh, Just being able to connect with you and and see the things that you recommend and it it makes the experience so much better. So uh, please don't be shy about reaching out if you're on that route and you want to get together or there's something you think I should see or someone you think I should meet. I always love to hear that stuff. Again, uh, you can send that either to ChristopherAssistant at gmail.com or to intro at tangentiallyspeaking.com. All right, uh, this episode is with the great, the wonderful, the amazing Carsey Blanton. She's one of my favorite human beings on the planet uh, for reasons that are obvious the minute you start to listen to her, her intelligence and her wit and her kindness um, and her beautiful voice and her incredible songwriting abilities I could go on and on, but I guess that's enough. Was that four or five serious compliments? I think that's the that's my limit. I can't do more than that, or it starts to sound sappy. So that's enough. Uh, but she's amazing, and uh, I saw her play in L.A. the other night. She's on tour now. She's on tour with the Wood Brothers. I think they only have a couple more dates. Uh, she's opening for them. What I would recommend is that you see her with her band and uh, she's going to be doing that tour. I think she'll be back on the West Coast in May and then going all over the country. I mean, look, she's great as an opening act, uh, but it's very minimal. It's her and her bass player. And to me, Carsey is she's the headline. She's what I go to see. Um, so I would go and see her personally, if I could choose one, I would go see her with her band where she's doing the full show herself, uh, rather than a few songs at the beginning of someone else's concert. Fantastic. One of the best musical experiences I've had has been, uh, in a room with Carsey Blanton. So I hope you'll go and take advantage of that. You can check her out at carcyblanton.com. As I say, just about every week, her tour dates are up there and her latest record is out. It's called Buck Up. I'm going to play several. She's going to play a couple songs during our conversation. And then I'm going to play a song called Desire that um, is on that record as well. Beautiful song. Listen to the words. And sometimes her voice is so beautiful, you just are listening to the music of her voice, like listening to a bird or something, and you don't realize there are words being said, being sung, and those words are deeply intelligent. All right, now this episode with the great Carsey Blanton is brought to you by, or I should say, I don't know, sponsored by Mudwater. 
As I've been uh, telling you the last few weeks, Mudwater, some great stuff. It's a mixture of uh, various uh, plants, mostly mushrooms, some cinnamon, some masala chai. Uh, Tastes great. It's good for your brain, good for your nervous system, your hormones, your skin, your hair, your toenails, and it'll make you shit like a champ. I don't know if any of that's true, but it's good. It tastes good, and it doesn't give you that um, the jitters of coffee, but it gives you the uh, cognitive acuity of a fucking rock star. I just did a podcast with Shane Heath the other day. He's the founder of Mudwater and uh, Mud Wrangler in Chief. I'm going to throw that up pretty soon. Uh, maybe, maybe the next one. I don't know. I just, you know, I sort of look at what's the day it comes to throw one up. I look at what I got and I see what I'm feeling and just pull one and throw it up. This one with Carsey, of course, I'm putting up because she's on tour and want to get the word out right away. I don't want anyone to hear this and go, oh, fuck, she was just in town. I wanted to go see her. I didn't know. So, yeah, this is more time sensitive. Anyway, mud water is fantastic stuff. It tastes good, and you can get it at the website, which is mudwtr.com. And if you go to that website, you will see. I think that I think that's Shane's arm there, holding it. It's got some t- tattoos. I should look at his arm next time and see if that's his arm. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, Earth Garden ingredients. From around the world, masala chai, cacao, reishi, chaga, cordyceps, lion's mane. Those are four different types of mushrooms that uh, Paul Stamets talks about. And um, uh, turmeric, which is fantastic stuff, cinnamon, and sea salt. They also just added a line of creamer to the mud water pantheon of products. Uh, it's not actual creamer. It's made of coconut milk and coconut oil, MCT oil. It's uh, You just add a little bit, and there's a natural sweetness, and it gives it a thicker texture. Uh, you can get that at mudwtr.com as well. The other um, company sponsoring the podcast this week is Santa Cruz Medicinals. And actually, you could get some coconut oil from Santa Cruz Medicinal, some CBD infused coconut oil, mix it into your mud water and God knows what kind of monster you'd become. Uh, But Santa Cruz Medicinals is owned by a guy, uh, I guess he's one of the founders, I don't know if he's the owner, but his name's Brendan Rue, R-U-H. I've never met him, but he's a buddy of Kyle Tierman's and he encouraged Kyle to get into podcasting and you know then that led to me meeting Kyle so I'm very grateful to Brendan uh for just sort of nudging Kyle in that direction uh you can hear Brendan and Kyle chatting on Kyle's podcast episode 147 that's the Kyle Tierman show which you can find at uh, kyle.surf you'll see his podcast there Uh, I listened to their conversation on the flight back from Bali. Really enjoyed it. Really smart dude. And um, I'd like to have him on this podcast at some point. You know, I don't... When somebody sponsors the podcast, having them on as a guest is not included in that. It's, It's strictly, I'll mention your product. I'll use your product. If I like it, I'll mention it. 
uh, at the beginning and at the end of the episode, never in the middle. And there's no like, oh, so, you know, for an additional fee, I'll have you on as a guest. I don't sell that. That's that's not for sale. Um, but he's a legit, smart, interesting dude. And yeah, I'd like to talk to him. I'd like to have him on. And uh, same thing with Shane. I've been wanting to have Shane on for a long time before I even before he even started this company. I thought that's an interesting guy. I'd like to know him better. So yeah, as as you can tell, in a way, I use this podcast sometimes just as a way to get to know people better who I find interesting. And you um, you just sort of come along for the ride, and I'm really glad that you do. So check out Santa Cruz Medicinals if you're. Uh, interested in CBD. They've got recipes. They've got uh, all sorts of products, tinctures, oil. They've got um, olive oil infused with CBD, uh, clay mask. If you're into that, they've got some uh, pain cream. I gave, they sent me some samples. I got, gave some of that pain cream to my uncle who's got um, stage four. Well, he's got all sorts of shit going on. He's Uncle Dan. If you heard that episode, if you didn't hear that episode, that's a really good one as well. I don't know what number it is, but Uncle Dan, he's got stage four cancer that he's had for four or five years now. Um, It's apparently in remission. It's some rare form of cancer that uh, only strikes children. He's the only full-grown adult um, that has it in the world apparently. So he's under all sorts of study. Then he had, he wrecked his, um, Harley, uh, probably 10 years ago now. Uh, some, some idiot made a left-hand turn right in front of him and got really smashed up. So he's got nerve damage from that. Um, and, uh, he, his right arm, he can't really lift up above his shoulder, but, Uncle Dan, you would never know if you hang out with him. He's happy. He's working. He's uh, does construction. He's installing stuff. He's helping everybody. He's moving around. Um, he's uh, he's a real interesting, wonderful dude. Anyway, I gave him some of this uh, CBD infused um, MCT oil that you can use as a tincture, and I gave him the pain cream as well. And he put that on his shoulder. He's got constant pain in his shoulder. And he said that the the pain cream particularly helped him out. The MCT oil, it's hard to tell because he's taking other uh, capsules as well. And um, But the uh, pain cream seemed to help a lot. So anyway, Santa Cruz Medicinals, check them out. The website is scmedicinals.com. And uh, I have a discount code with those guys so if you add chris5 when you're checking out they'll give you five bucks off your order assuming it's over twenty dollars so chris5 you get five bucks off your order at sc medicinals check it out all right that's enough commercial bullshit let's get right to carsey blanton thank you everybody for listening i'm going to start off with a song that you know, only Carsey writes these kinds of songs where she flips the script from the typical male musician writing about trying to seduce a woman or or being kind of lewd about, you know, squeezing his lemon all over the floor or whatever the fuck it is they talk about. This is called 
Is it called Jacket? Yes. And this is from her most recent record. It's called Buck Up is the record. You can get it on iTunes or elsewhere, wherever records are sold, I guess. She sells them at her concerts, I know. Um, anyway, it's called Buck Up. This song's called Jacket. And if you listen real carefully, it's a song about trying to seduce a dude. Yeah. Dig it. I'm in Topanga with Carsey Blanton, the great Carsey Blanton, who you people hear week after week after week <laughs> reminding you of your own mortality. That's my job, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> that's what I'm here for, folks. But just remember, that's a love song, Smoke Alarm. I was thinking it's last really night. It's really more of a lust song, I a think. A lust song. Well, yeah. Aren't most love songs lust songs? You know, most of them are, but not I mean, all of them. There's so many songs, it's like... Um, Bill Withers, Use Me. Yeah, well, that's clearly a That's song. about a blowjob. Lust song. I think that a lot of songs, I think, are about women who give such good head <laughs> that, that the they, guy's like, this is it. I'm going nowhere. I mean, all my songs are about men who give head that that's, that is that good. <laughs> that's, that's where it all begins for me. Begins. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm in yeah. love with you, yeah. but it's all right. Yeah. 
That's yeah. that's there you go. It's the key to my heart. Now it's out there. Everyone knows. <laughs> Everyone knows. Yeah, it's kind of an open secret, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Most most of mine are. The guys are so <laughs> obsessed with their dicks, and it's like, dude, you know. I know. Everybody's got a dick, but I know. not everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking last <clears throat> night when you played that song at your show, <clears throat> uh, and you you in your crowd patter or whatever that phrase is, you <clears throat> explained the you know guy at the bar. <clears throat> so did you end up spending the night with that guy? Well, that story is not is not literally true. It's, it's apocryphal. It's, it's apocryphal. <laughs> Um, it was actually kind of a more interesting but more complex story. I did, like, the first time I hung out in New Orleans, I had, like, a little love affair with a guy there mm. <clears throat> who we really hung out for several days and had, like, it was like we, our conversations with each other were revolving around death for several days. Oh, really? And at the same time, we were super just attracted to each other and turned on by each other. And New Orleans really works with that to me like it has a very sexy deathy vibe yeah, about it right. like the, the above voodoo thing the voodoo thing and the above ground cemeteries yeah. and like the second line parades which are many of which are funeral parades but they're like right. it's like this very sexy physical music and people are dancing down the street and drinking and like women wearing scanty clothes and stuff yeah so it's like there's something about the city to me that speaks about like mortality and yeah. lust and how they're related to each other mm. and and one of my first experiences there was like very within that that realm um so that song really came out of a more a slightly more complex uh lust story than right. the one that i tell on stage which <laughs> yeah. is like there's a guy in a bar and he said yeah. he said hey you're gonna die one day kid yeah or whatever yeah yeah <laughs> it's true though the the overlap of death and lust is Interesting. American culture seems to be very much dedicated to separating those things and yeah. making death unsexy and making sex all about youth and sort of a denial of yeah. mortality. But I do think there's an organic, a deep organic intermingling of those things. Definitely. Yeah, I think we're all about separating sex from everything else. Like sex has nothing to do with, you know... Um, childhood, for example, right. or childbirth, <laughs> or childbirth, yeah. or like sex has nothing to do with music or food or like all these Unless things. You're selling food. <laughs> well, right? that's that's like true. Hooters. There's it's some all about great. Wings. There's some great like I don't remember if it's Gertrude Stein or somebody or no, it's probably Audrey Lord talks about how the problem with uh, making sex taboo is that then it controls you. So then it becomes a tool that can be used. Like if you're an advertiser, yeah. like sex is a good tool to use to advertise because we don't talk about it and because it's taboo and it's separate from our lives. So it has all this sort of underground control of us, as you know. Um, so that's what mm. makes it good for commercial use. You know what I mean? Right. Cause it, you can manipulate people with it. Whereas if it was like part of everyday life and something that we could talk about organically, like it wouldn't work as well to like sell tomatoes or whatever right that's a good point because you'd be like a tomato is not a breast yeah <laughs> they're different actually <laughs> yeah uh you know you reminded me talking about the power of taboo I, of this essay i read recently by paul graham mm -hmm. i think it was his name and i think he's like a silicon valley visionary type guy i'm not really sure nerd. who he is super nerd a nerdy dude yeah like you know invested in facebook in the beginning and now he's a big shot I'm not sure who he is anyway. Mm -hmm. Somebody sent me a link to this thing. But it was a very interesting essay because basically what he's saying is 
you look at pictures of yourself when you were, you know, 20 years ago and you're like, how the fuck did I think that hairdo worked? Right. You know, or that, you know, those clothes, that was yeah. ridiculous. Right. But when you're in the moment, you can't, you don't know what's ridiculous and what isn't. Yeah. So it's only in retrospect that you have this sort of perspective to judge these things. And, and so he's saying historically, of course, it's the same, right? We look a hundred years ago and we say like, how did we possibly think women shouldn't have the right to vote yeah. or that black people weren't equal or, right. you know, whatever atrocities we were committing self-righteously a hundred years ago. Uh, and so then he said, okay, so logically, you know, using rational thinking, how can we look at the current day and figure out what's bullshit what what are we what's the fucked up thing of now that we're doing now yeah that's interesting because i was right. just just talking about this topic with someone else oh i'll send you the link to okay the great it's, it's short it's <laughs> yeah. fantastic um not that you wouldn't read a long essay but i don't want to take it <laughs> i don't read time. anything past eight minutes yeah, that's my limit you know i tend to give homework <laughs> to my friends which can be a little pain in the ass but i, I never check if you did it yeah all right? i'll never there's no exam Anyway, his, what I thought was so interesting in this essay is he said, he outlined four or five different techniques for figuring out, um, for uncovering the bullshit. Mm. But one of them is what can't be talked about. Mm. Taboo subjects. Yep. That's where you want to look. Yeah. Because the bullshit hides in that silence. Right. And the culturally enforced silence around that issue tells you that there's probably something going on there. there's a conflict that people are uncomfortable with and so we avoid the topic and Think so about, we have some kind of shame and taboo to like right help which us allows avoid it, it to continue <laughs> yeah right which keep, it sure. keeps the problem festering it's you know it's like the person with the infection on their leg that says right. whatever you do don't look at my leg right. it's like well that's the fucking problem man. yeah the catholic church Right. Yep. Who has been more vehement about not talking about sex openly than the fucking Catholic yeah. Church? And it turns out it's a child abuse fucking industry. Yeah. <laughs> it's a factory pumping out child abuse. Yep. It's incredible. It is. Yeah. Uh, and, well, and, and also homosexuality. Right. You know, like our mutual friend Andrew Sullivan just wrote. Uh, I don't know if you saw it a couple of weeks ago. I, think I missed it. About the, um, the homosexuality in the Vatican. Mm -hmm. It's like it's rampant. Sex parties, right. drugs, pr prostitution. Well, that's what happens rings. when like over thousands of years you keep like hiding all of your gay men in one place, yeah. in one institution. Right. right. And with a, and with all of your young boys. To talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be great. <laughs> Let's put all the sexually out. repressed people in one place yeah, together. They'll yeah, be fine. Yeah, it'll work out. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so what's your theory about the thing that we're not talking about? Because I have one too, but I want to know what yours is. Well, I think you know we started sex and death are two yeah. of the big ones, right? Um, and as you alluded to, the sexuality of children mm -hmm. is you know come on to. I mean, we have gone as this you know in the Western world pretending. The women have no sexuality, yeah. right? That there's no homosexuality, that there's no masturbation. Yeah. And now we're in the stage where saying anything about the sexual lives of children is totally verboten. Yeah. 
And what does that do? That what basically what that does is is reinforces shame in children yep. as they become sexual. Don't touch yourself. So oh, that, don't do that. Oh, so know? that we have more generations of sexually repressed and conflicted adults here, to here. to inflict their repression on the next generation. Exactly, we call that it's a tradition. circle of life. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I yeah. have a theory about this, though, too, Let's about hear. like sort of what the what the great the great atrocity of our time is that we're not talking about and that in a couple hundred years we'll look back on and be horrified by. Okay. I think that it is capitalism. What say you? Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) I think that, I think the equivalent of like owning property or owning a company and reaping great profits while the people who work for you don't reap profits is going to seem like having slaves eventually in human history. It's going to be like, how could you exploit all those people? How could you be living in a really cool, great house and they're living in a shitty house? And how come you get really good health care and they don't have health care? That's going to seem like obviously unjust. Like, why would you be born into a situation so unjust? That can't be right. That's my theory. I think eventually yeah. we'll reach, if we survive this long on the planet, which we clearly may not, I think we'll reach a point in uh, human cultural evolution where we realize that the whole private property ownership idea was not a good one. <laughs> You're keying into like, you know, uh, the, like the main thing I think about all the time. I wondered, cause I, I've been waiting to read civilized to death That's and it. I'm excited yeah, for yeah. it. And I've been like, I wonder how much he talks about capitalism. A lot. <laughs> and, and also, I mean, yeah. And also the idea that we are, uh, on a trajectory um, civilizationally, as you say, it's quite likely the whole thing will just collapse. But if it doesn't, I feel like we're at a point where like the, the evolution of culture is like the orbit of a planet. It's mm-hmm. elliptical and we're at the far point right now and we're starting to come back. Yeah. And that's why, you know, medicine is looking at um, the microbiome and mm. how we've actually been hurting ourselves by sterilizing everything and we need to reintegrate the natural world and the diversity of the natural world within our bodies and like being connected to nature is actually much healthier than separating from nature and you know the the paleo diet paleo fitness you know all this stuff is you know children should be born vaginally because the mother's microbiome gets implanted in the child and you know all this stuff like we've separated ourselves from nature so far that we're dying from it and suffering from it and now we're starting to recognize that the way toward health and happiness is going home and home is where we came from, of course. Mm -hmm. Right. So I feel like there's this, this sort of elliptical journey that we're on, which also replicates the the hero's journey of Joseph Campbell and the (laughs) Odyssey and, you know, all the stuff. Right. And, um, part of that is a sense of justice. Yeah. And so I, I quote in the book there, there are these, um, uh, Indians from Brazil that were brought to Europe very early, uh, probably in the late 16s, early 1700s. And uh, they were brought to Europe and, you know, sort of paraded around and mm-hmm. they went to the palaces and met the kings and the queens and all this stuff. And the idea being that that uh, we wanted, we, the Europeans, wanted to impress these Indians with like how much, how superior European civilization was. Right. 
And Montaigne met them. Yeah, you know, Montaigne, the great philosopher, yeah. he actually met with them and, and talked with them. And he said, what's most striking to you about our civilization? Mm -hmm. And they said, the most striking thing is how can many people be starving outside the gates of your houses while you have feasts inside? Our people would burn down your houses. We and never allow that. I love it. Yeah. And so what you're talking about, I think, the sense of injustice around around capitalism, that's in us. That's oh, innate yeah. in us. And I argue in Civilized to Death that it's as destructive to the wealthy as it is to everybody else. I agree. I think one interesting thing happening right now with the election of Donald Trump is that we're all getting this window into how miserable the super wealthy are. Right. <laughs> it's like, right. Yeah, like the Trump family won capitalism. Yeah. They won. They're the winner. That's the winner. That's what winning looks like. Do they like. look happy to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah because like obviously yeah. it sucks to be like homeless on the streets of san francisco or whatever but it clearly also sucks to be like you know melania trump yeah and she's she apparently is what capitalism is going for right right <laughs> yeah it's true yeah and these silicon valley guys you know the yeah i coined a, a new term in civilized to death um, rich asshole syndrome mm -hmm. and you know, it's like a new psychological thing for the yeah. DSM. Yeah. Um, but basically, you know, we sort of argue that people assholes get rich cause they're willing to do things that good people wouldn't do. Yeah. But I think it's also, even if good people get rich, they can become assholes. Yeah. There's all this research showing that wealthy people are are very bad at reading facial expressions, yeah. for example. They can't see the pain in other people's faces. Yeah. Well, and also a huge percentage of wealthy people were born into wealth. And I think if mm. you're born wealthy, you're insulated from other people in a way that turns you into a sociopath. Right. And you're used to people like, <laughs> like the way cleaning you can't, up after yeah, you. Yeah, you can't imagine Donald Trump having ever like washed a dish or right. like, you know. Or had, anyone just telling him to shut the fuck yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean I've been telling him but <laughs> he's not listening <laughs> it's too late yeah. yeah yeah I think what's in I mean talking about the like elliptical sort of human culture uh evolution thing I think that that's true in many ways and I think science is catching up to a lot of things that like spirituality has been telling us for a long time but I think the great barrier to adopting those ideas is capitalism like I think we're yeah. we're stuck in a position where we have vested uh, corporations and industries with the power to make decisions about human life to such a degree that we can have scientific proof that we need to do something like, why aren't we doing anything about global warming? It's not actually that we need to convince more people. Right. Everybody knows it's right. happening. Enough people know that it's happening and that we're going to be real fucked in a short amount of time if we yeah. don't completely stop burning oil and taking it out of the ground. Uh, and the reason that we're not doing it is not psychological it's economic and i think we're we're at that same point with a lot of different ideas where it's like culturally we have gotten there yeah but we would have to you know burn down the house yeah. <laughs> we have to we have to overthrow our our corporate and industrial overlords in order to be able to enact the cultural you know evolution that we've already come to yeah it's and hard, i hope though. we do but I, I, I but hope it's, we do too, but I don't see any evidence of that ever happening in human history. Well, it's happened on small scales. It's happened on small scales That's a couple the of times. Key. I think so there's this 
God, I feel like I'm repeating the same things every episode of this podcast. I'm sorry, people. But I'm going to tell the locust story again. There's this grasshopper in North Africa that uh, when the rains come and the grasslands get bigger, they replicate and the mm-hmm. population gets real high. Yeah. And they're very cool. They're chill. They're dispersed. They mm-hmm. just eat their grass and they don't bother anybody. Then the rains stop. The grasslands compress the population density of which is already very high but the density increases Mm -hmm. and when it reaches a certain point genes are triggered dormant genes are triggered that change these grasshoppers physically their front legs get shorter their back legs get longer coloration changes their Mm. head shape changes and they become hyper aggressive cannibalistic dicks (laughs) they become absolute dicks that clearly already happened to humans (laughs) I resent that <laughs> dickish whatever that language. whatever that switch is That's has clearly already been switched exactly okay. and they become locusts and they swarm yeah and that's the the biblical plague of locusts yeah so that's I think that's what's happened we as a species on sm- small scale where reputational damage matters mm-hmm. right where you know everybody mm-hmm. and if you fuck someone over everyone knows. And you get shamed and ridiculed and possibly, you know, expelled from the group, which is the most painful thing. Think about it. Even if just like a friend has a party and they don't invite you, like that's painful. The reason is that you would die Mm -hmm. if your group expelled you, right? Yeah. So on small scale, I think we're grasshoppers. Yeah. Large scale, we become locusts, most of us. Some of us are like, fuck that, I want to be a grasshopper. (laughs) Yeah. I I agree with you. I think that the good news and the bad news is that capitalism is not sustainable as a global Mm. system. So it has to resolve one way or another. One way it could resolve is the global population could be cut in half or cut by 75%, which could definitely happen. And then it'd be like, oh, actually, there's plenty for everybody again. Um, It could also resolve... not necessarily cut in in war or disease. It could just be like... Universal basic income with uh, an incentive not to have kids. Yeah, well, so that so to me, there are there are three ways it can resolve because we can't just do capitalism forever because it has internal contradictions that destroy it. Right. <clears throat> so it can resolve in some form of socialism. In other words, redistribu- redistribution of resources and wealth. So like universal basic income is one form of that. And it can resolve in some disaster so that the population gets way smaller and it could also resolve in fascism, which unfortunately, historically, is at least as likely as redistribution of wealth. <laughs> yeah. So when and you say I, fascism, and, how do you define it? Well, so it's kind of interesting. So so since we last talked, I have become a Marxist, in case you couldn't already tell. Oh, really? Um, and that so, explains the beard. Nyuck, nyuck, nyuck. So... Fascism is interesting because, so you know the Nazis were called the National Socialists, and that's very confusing to people because they're like, socialism is Nazism. Um, And they weren't socialists in the way that we talk about socialism now, but one way that they were socialistic is that they were for redistributing the wealth. So basically the Nazis said, cut out everyone who's not Aryan, and then our population will be small enough that we can redistribute the wealth and everybody can have access to resources again. So that's why the Jews had to be eliminated yeah. so we could take all their wealth. Yeah, the uh-huh. Jews and lots of other 
ethnic minorities. So they're mm. basically like, if you cut out some percentage of the population, sure, we could do some socialism. It'll be fine. Which which is similar to what the U.S. fascist movement is saying now. They're like, if the United States is only for white people, then we have plenty to go around and wages can go up and, and GDP can increase and we don't have to worry about stagnation of, you know, wages or like lowering our life quality and all that shit mm. that we have to worry about in capitalism. Mm. So, so fascism is one way of solving the problem of capitalism, which is that as you run the system of capitalism, you keep uh, moving the wealth towards the top and making the wealth gap larger. So the quality of life for the people at the bottom gets worse and worse and worse over time. And so, so when you're having a crisis of capitalism, everybody can tell that the system isn't working. And people are like, what about this? How about we solve it this way? And one of the ideas for solving it is fascism, which is like, if we just say, you know, everyone who's not white can't have anything, then there'll be plenty to go around for us white people. <laughs> so it is a way of resolving the problem. It's just, it's the wrong way, in my opinion. Well, and that's the other thing, is if you don't stop doing the capitalist system, then you still are running the same laws. So you're still going to get the wealth going towards the top. So you might buy yourself another 50 years by doing fascism. And meanwhile, you have to, like, kill or deport several million people. doesn't really seem worth it to me. And then there will be too many white people, and then they'll be like, oh, okay, well, maybe Irish people aren't white again. Exactly. You can already see it. Like, I'm Jewish, so it's interesting to me to Mm. see, like, we have this new fascist movement in the U.S., and I'm like, oh, my white card is going to get revoked. (laughs) It's like, we always knew it was coming. We've been white here for, what, 70 years, maybe 60 years? Not even. Like, when my mom was in school, Semitic was like a checkbox on the race form in like middle school. Yeah, it's interesting. I read something recently, some article that talked about that form like um where you check your race and how things have become white over the years and and uh Jewish was one, yep. Irish is one, Italian, Italian, I think Polish. German, Polish. Yeah, like so many of used to be separate categories, yeah. they became white. Well, it's cuz white is not a race. It's a club. So you either yeah. get, eventually you get a card to join the club, maybe, yeah. unless you're like of African descent, basically, yeah. then you're not allowed in the club. But also black isn't a race. I mean, the whole no. question of race is very complicated. It's all very made up, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but some of them are at least based vaguely on what continent you come from or like what part of a continent you come from. Whiteness is very, is very suspect. Yeah. It's much more like, you know, we're in charge of the world. And when we have enough resources to let more people in, then Irish people get to be to join the in charge of the world group. Right. <laughs> you know right. I mean? After you've enslaved you for yeah. a, a certain amount of time. And often it's like often through history, there's this great book stamped from the beginning. Have you read this one? Mm-hmm. It's a history of racist ideas in America. Mm. Super interesting. Basically, this guy, I think his name is Ibram Kendi. Um, and he's he's breaking down racist ideas from the perspective of when there's an economic need for a racist idea, it creates a market for that idea. Right. And then somebody has to come along and make the idea happen. And right. that guy's going to get funding. He's going to get probably a political appointment. Yeah. He might become president. And so like throughout history in America, yeah. we've we've had needs for different kinds of racism. And as the need arises, somebody some asshole will come along and be like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, the idea it's because actually people from Africa are descended from a different thing than 
people from Europe and therefore yeah. they're lazy or they're stupid. And so they can't be trusted with freedom. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think to a large extent that has happened with Darwin. Mm. I think one of the reasons that, and, and through no fault of his, yeah. I think Darwin was actually a really compassionate, decent guy. He was an yeah. abolitionist. He was mm-hmm. v- very open-minded. Um, but I think one of the reasons that Darwin is seen as the greatest genius who's ever lived by, you know, particularly right wingers is that his ideas were so convenient to explaining the great wealth of some and the destitution of others. Yeah. You know, and, uh, Carnegie, Andrew Carnegie, who set up these libraries all over the Northeast, the only book that he required be in every library was on the origin of species Yeah, because he felt and, and said this explicitly that the reason he had so much money was that he was a superior yeah. being. And so survival of the fittest and the yeah. struggle to survive is inherent in nature. And therefore the capitalistic reflection of that is just it's a reflection natural. of nature. Yeah. yeah. Well, talk about your compassionate dude whose ideas got, fucked with how about jesus christ (laughs) (laughs) there's another one another guy who was like yo everybody's equal be good to your neighbors help the poor and now like all these mega churches have these preachers out there like you're rich because god said you were rich and he loves you and that's why you should have you know that's why we should lower taxes and not have health care yeah definitely jesus would have clearly been against medicare for all yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, let them let them die in the streets. I'm pretty sure it says that in the Bible. It's yeah. in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> Paul. Yeah. Have you read the Bible? You know, I never. I've never read the Bible, but I have started going to church the last couple months. So I've been really? reading. I've been slowly going through different passages. Just I, I, so living in New Orleans, the church is a big deal, yeah. and there's very good music in a lot of the churches. You know, I went to a church. I wish you could have gone to. I, I think it doesn't exist anymore. <clears throat> but when I was in San Francisco, a friend of mine took me to his church. It was the Church of Saint John Coltrane. I just heard about really? this. Really? Yeah. No kidding. I think it still exists because my bass player Joe and I are talking about going. Oh, then go. Yeah. I, it was on Divisadero, like a block from where I was living at the time. Amazing. I, I think it's moved because I went. I went by there and it wasn't there anymore. Yeah. So if it exists, it's moved. But it was so great, and they have this icon of John Coltrane holding his sax, <laughs> you know, with his three fingers up and that Amen. Russian thing. Yeah. Yeah, and people just jammed. It was really cool. Amen. It was great yeah Yeah, the church i go to is a little southern baptist church and i go with my my elderly neighbor and her granddaughter and it's just it's like a small congregation it's like 25 people and the pastor is really good it's almost like it's more personal growthy than like biblical like he'll Mm. start with a passage from the bible and then he'll be like let's talk about like why it's important that you carry your gifts into the world with confidence and i'm like Hell yeah. Yeah. And get behind that. And then halfway through the service, everybody walks around and hugs everybody else and says, you have greatness inside of you. Mm. (laughs) It's like, it makes me tear up every time. It's like little kids. There's like little toddlers hugging you. You have greatness in you. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to be reminded of that. It is. I definitely see the point of church for the first time in my life. Yeah, well, the sense of community <laughs> yeah. and shared sort of value system, yep. that, you know, that's, that's And even important. just sitting 
you know, having an excuse to sit for an hour once a week and think about life in a sort of wider, mm. from a wider perspective. Not look at your phone. Not look at your phone, not have to, yeah. you know, run to an appointment or whatever. There's a, there's a book I read years ago, and I don't remember much about the book other than the title, but I love the title. It's called In the Absence of the Sacred. Mm. Yeah. And I often think about that, like how so much of modern civilization feels to me like it's designed to drain the sacred. Definitely. And that fits into this capitalistic critique that we're making, right? Because if something's sacred, it's off limits to capitalism. So we can't have that. Can't have that. You know, the sacred mountain. Sorry, dude, there's uranium in there. We're going (laughs) to chop the top off. Fuck that. That's been a really, a really fascinating thing for me in learning about Marxism and about capitalism has been the, the concept that, if you have a capitalist economy, in order for it to not crash, it has to always expand, which mm. I had sort of learned about. I, I vaguely remember learning Gross. about that as a teenager or something, yeah. but I didn't really get the implications of it. And one of the implications is you need new markets all the time. Like mm. there are only a few ways to grow an economy. You can either break into a new uh, physical space, like we just took over this country, so now we have all these people to sell shit to. That's mm. been very common in American history, is like right. getting access to a different economy to grow the economy. But then the other one is this thing didn't used to be monetized. And if you mm. find a way to monetize it, you've created a new market. Bottled water, bitches. Bottled water, but also like childcare. Mm. Childcare wasn't a market until what, 30 years ago? Mm. And now it's like many Elder care. very multi billion billion dollar markets, both of those. But also just basically any area of life that you wouldn't previously have paid for in some point in history, but now you pay for it. There's a there's a structural reason behind that, which yeah. is we've we've dedicated ourselves to this system that requires that we monetize things over time. Yeah. So like yeah. this sort of sense of like in the olden days, you know, there was the commons and you could like go fishing on someone's land. Like the same reason we don't have the commons anymore is the reason that you now have to pay three dollars for water when you go to the store. Yeah. <laughs> and like you can't leave your kid at home by themselves if they're 10 or right. whatever. It's all right. the same reason. Not even in the fucking park. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think about that kind of thing when I read these ubiquitous statements by Steven Pinker and Bill Gates and, you know, all these other people saying, you know, talking about how great everything is and things are getting better all the time. And, yeah. you know people like Chris Ryan, you know, poo-pooing <laughs> progress. How dare you poo-poo progress. I'm a progress poo-pooer. Yeah. Um, Contrarian. Wh- yeah. And one of the, the charts they love to trot out is uh, how people are being brought out of poverty oh my God. globally. Right. And how, you know, the, that is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because it's like all the, all you're saying is, yeah, 50 years ago, there were, you know, 20% of the people in the world were not part of the monetary system. And then we and now they yeah. are. And you call that progress. Right. Another I way to say poverty. it is like, <laughs> another way to say it is like, if you have a country where no one owns the land and everyone has access to it and everyone has enough food to live right. and enough shelter, and then you buy all of it. You've just put all those people into poverty because now they own nothing. Right. They used to own something collective, but and now they, they own nothing. But then they have to work at your fucking banana And then if plantation. they work for you for thirty years or fifty yeah. years, then you've quote unquote lifted them out of poverty. Right. You're <laughs> a like, job creator. Yeah. What a good guy. Wow. Yeah. 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 It's sort of it's that is a very cruel 
joke to me. Yeah. It's like you've stolen the world from the people and then you've sold it back to them and then you want credit for having lifted them out of poverty. Well, yeah. It's <laughs> like you lit my house on fire and you yeah. show up a, an hour later with a bucket of water and I'm supposed to thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it works. That is what I that mean, is. You know what you started saying like, you know, a hundred years from now we're going to look back and see capitalism as if it were slavery. I think if you know anything about the way the world works right now, it you, you that's what it is. It. You already yeah. see it. I mean, you know, these sweatshops in Bangladesh and yeah. Vietnam, it's on making Nike shoes and, you know, clothes for the gap and whatever, which I buy. You know, I'm yeah. not saying I'm I'm innocent of anything, but the system itself you know, those people do not want to be working for 50 cents a no. day. Nobody does. Nobody does. It's right. kind of like the immigration debate where it's like, they're stealing our jobs. It's I like, I just did a rant <laughs> about this. Jobs Americans don't want to do. Don't want to fucking gut chickens for six bucks an hour. Yeah, yeah that's I right. Know. But it's not because Americans are lazy. It's because you're paying slave labor. You're asshole. paying slave labor because you've allowed 13 million people to live here who are not protected by labor laws. Right. So their exactly. employers can exploit them to any degree that they wish and to. we're pretending they're the criminals. Exactly. Come on now. Now. Yeah. Punch well, up. Who, who's going to pick our <laughs> vegetables? You know, <laughs> you know, my my I'll little brother vegetables for 20 bucks an hour. What the fuck? <laughs> my little brother, who's solely responsible for turning me into a Marxist. He went he went to college and came out like full communist. He's oh, like, God. he's he's absolutely all the way Where there. Where did he go to college? Antioch. Oh, that'll yeah. do. It. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he he tells me when I put my record out, my new record is called Buck Up which is like, hey, you should feel better, buck up. Right. And he's like, was that a play on punch up? You know the phrase punch up? Oh, I thought it was fuck off. It's kind of both. <laughs> but punch up, I guess, is punch like... Punch up and fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Punch up, I guess, is a phrase that's been part of the labor movement since like the 1920s, which is like, it's basically don't blame the people who are at your same in your same class or in a class below you. Punch up. So yeah, like it's the right. people in the class above you that are exploiting you and everyone beneath you. Right. And so they're going to try and trick you into blaming people who are below you. Right. Which again comes back to race like ideas mm. about race. Like yeah. the main reason we're so committed to the concept of race in America is because it's the main function that the upper class has been using to get the middle class to exploit the lower classes so that they don't have to do it themselves. Right. So in other words, if you have a white middle class that's mad at black people, you're protecting the white upper class from having to deal with the problem of like, you know, it used to be slave revolts and now it's like people being pissed off at the government <laughs> in yeah. general yeah. or striking or protesting. Yeah. So in other words, punch up is like rather than getting mad at somebody at your level or below you, get mad at the people above you. Yeah. Which I think is right. Yeah. And buck up is like, don't give up. Yeah, yeah. Buck up is just like, so, so this record has a lot of, so as I was becoming a Marxist, Trump got elected. <laughs> so a lot of the story of my last couple of years has been kind of coming to terms with a new paradigm about um, America and what it means to be American and what it means to be alive in the world right now and sort of where we're headed, which is a very depressing set of things to think about, as you know. Yeah. But, <laughs> but buck up, I think the, the real concept of the album is like taking that, that new understanding of the world and just kind of, uh, being willing to stay motivated and stay committed to your purpose on earth, even knowing that like things look bleak. Yeah. So, so buck up the song is, is like, 
is a little anthem to sing to your friends like hey everybody we know shit sucks but like it's not gonna get better if we're laying in bed all day (laughs) i know you are going to do a podcast right after this Mm -hmm. a millennial's guide to saving the world great so i don't want to take up too much of your time because you're on tour (laughs) you got a busy day of podcasting yeah would you play us out with buck up or another song from your new album sure which is available where, Marxist? Um, <laughs> Marxist. This is a Marxist plug for Carsey. <laughs> That's Joel. right. Uh, CarseyBlanton.com is where you can find all the music and Good. the videos. and There's a bunch of sexy ones on the new record, too. But, um, but we'll do Buck Up. It's apropos. And wondering where it all went wrong. We're running in this human race, but the odds are looking long. So I sat beside my hound dog and I looked into his eyes. I said, What's the use of trying? And to my surprise, he said, Buck up, baby, come on, sick em. Make him laugh if you can't lick him. Keep on shining like you know you should. It gets bad, that's the way to get it good. So I put my shoes on and I walked out in the street. The papers say we're on the way to starting World War III. So I took the hand of my paper man and said, what we gonna do? And he just started laughing. He said, I got news for you. You better buck up, baby, come on, sick em. Make em laugh if you can't lick em. Keep on shining like you know you should. Keep on shining, that's the way to get it good. La 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 Keep on shining like you know you should Keep on shining and you get it good They got the money and they're never gonna get enough But honey, we got the love Yeah And we got friends who come out swinging We get hit, we go home singing La 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 Like we know we should We keep on shining That's the way we get it good we sing, buck up, baby, come on, sick em. Make em laugh if you can't lick em. Keep on shining like you know you should. It gets bad, that's the way we get it good. We keep on shining, honey, that'll get em good. Thank you. That was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I was thinking last night at your show how your songs, you're a great songwriter. Right? Thank you. Really. Um, and how 
your songs always sound like you wrote them. Hmm. You know what I mean? Some people, like, they're good songwriters. They're great songwriters. Hmm. But they're right from, like, lots of different yeah. personalities or characters or whatever. Sure. And, I mean, I can't say I know every song of yours. But the every time I listen to it, it's like your voice is so strong hmm. in it. You have a really distinct... I don't mean your physical voice. Yeah. I mean the, your personality. Thank you. Yeah, I think I... Yeah, can't escape it, so I'm I'm going with it. They're very you know what I mean? personal. Like your songs seem personal expressions, like yeah. like pages out of your journal or something. Yeah, that's pretty much true. I think that I have expanded the the uh, content that I write about, but it's mm. still always from my perspective. Yeah. I, I haven't been able to escape my own point of view as a writer, which yeah. I think uh, there's a lot of writers that I love in both camps. Like I love Tom Waits, who you mm. know. He is so willing to write as all these different characters that he makes up in his head. Yeah. Although at the same time, he's such a weirdo. Like you can always tell that it's a Tom Waits song. Yeah. Um, or like John Prine writes from all these different characters. Yeah. I love both those guys, but I've, I only so far can write from this one character, which is me. Speaking of, <laughs> well, stick with it. It's working for you. It's a beautiful character. All right. Uh, speaking of Tom Waits, do you know his song Green Grass? Yeah. I covered it for you one time. Remember? Oh, did you? Oh. <laughs> Is it on the podcast? I think it's on the podcast. Oh, you might have just outed yourself as, as, not, as not remembering that. <laughs> oh, believe me. <laughs> that ain't no secret, honey. Uh, yeah. No, I love that sign. I love yeah. the Sibel uh, yeah. version. Lay your head where my heart used to be on the earth above me. I love her accent, too, yeah. in that song. I know, and his version of that song is so, is so like, weirdo living under a bridge tom waits it's so yeah that you're i never would have guessed what a beautiful song it was yeah and she she really brings it out yeah Yeah. i love when artists do that like you know you mentioned uh bob dylan earlier i love his thing when you know he's after listening to hendrix do all along the watchtower he was like yeah he owns that song yeah he's like that's his that's his song now. yeah Yeah. paul simon says that too about aretha's version of bridge over troubled water oh really that's an aretha franklin song (laughs) i don't know that i agree though i mean because the simon and garfunkel version is so good it is and and so many people have heard it you know yeah but i just love i love artists that are great at doing covers like I love Nina Simone did so many incredible covers like Mm. many of my favorite versions are hers Mm. (laughs) of all kinds of different songs like she did I Shall Be Released that's Uh, my favorite version of that song she did she did a lot of Dylan songs actually she did Suzanne Leonard Cohen song Mm. beautiful version but she also like she not even as a writer although she was a great writer but as a performer is so weird and has such intense personality Mm. that when she covers anybody else's song it's like it becomes that character the character of nina simone yeah i I love that in music have we talked about the the um, the guy who covered the outcast tune Mm -mm. oh uh hey yeah oh yeah you know that song hey Hey, yeah yeah so it's super upbeat Mm -hmm. right and you know shake it like a polaroid picture (laughs) but i heard this guy uh cover it and he exposes the essence of the song that mm. I really wasn't aware of until I heard the cover. It's a really sad song. I don't even know the words. Okay, I'll here's how look it, it up. begins. Um, my baby don't mess around because she loves me so, and this I know for sure. Uh-huh. But does she really want to leave me, yeah. but can't stand to see me walk out the door? Uh-huh. 
don't try to fight the feeling because the thought alone is killing me right now. <laughs> Thank God for mom and dad for sticking two together because we don't know how. Uh-huh. It's about how people don't know how to Be relate together. to one another, stay yeah. together, right? Hey, hey, what's cooler than being co- Hey, fellas, what's cooler than being cold? Ice cold, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's rough. If what we say is nothing lasts forever, then what makes then what makes love the exception? Yeah. Oh, why, oh, why are we so in denial when we know we're not happy here? <laughs> Woof. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a cry of desperation. Yeah. And everyone's dancing to it. I love songs like that. Yeah. I love a good a good uh, one-two punch yeah. where it's like happy yeah. music and sad lyrics or the other way around. Yeah. Well, and also it's like, are you paying attention? <laughs> Yeah. Are you listening? I remember the first time I heard reggae, mm-hmm. like really heard it. It was in a club, it was in a bar. I was in college, early 80s. And, you know, Bob Marley was around, but I wasn't really paying attention mm-hmm. to it, listening. It was like whatever, Jamaican, I don't know. And I was in this bar and I went to this sort of kind of like Antioch, a lot of rich kids. Not <laughs> not as smart as Antioch, but like, you know, rich white people, basically. Yeah. And um, it's called Hobart College. Mm-hmm. George Bush's niece was in my class. Wow. Her name was Diddle Bush. I oh kid you gosh. not. Diddle Bush. You made that up. I, I didn't, don't believe I you. Didn't. You're and a I've, writer. I've mentioned this on the podcast you. before <laughs> and someone actually Googled her. Yeah. And there was like a marriage announcement in the New York Times of Diddle Bush and someone else. Diddle? Diddle. Get, get yeah. out. You know, it's like what we were talking about earlier with taboos. Yeah. I think... The like real upper crust wasps are so repressed about sex mm-hmm. that they'll call their daughter Diddle right. Bush and no one will acknowledge Just no what's one will say, uh, did you? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and this is our son, you know, erection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, anyway, so, so this band is playing, all these black dudes are on stage. The, Entire bar is full of white people. There's not a black person in the bar except the yeah. guys playing. And they're singing about Down Presser Man, mm-hmm. you know, and like taking our land and enslaving our people. Yep. And I was listening to but the But it's lyrics, like party like, music. Yeah, and all the people, everyone's, everybody's dancing, dancing and just oblivious. <laughs> like, give me another beer. You know what that reminds me of is when people play Every Breath You Take oh, at yeah. weddings, which happens all the time at yeah. fucking weddings on yeah. the dance floor. And it's like, oh, the bride and groom are dancing yeah. to this song the about like song. stalking. <laughs> It's just like terrifying lyrics. You know, Sting... I'll be watching you. I'll be watching. Sting wrote that song after reading 1984. Oh, yeah. See, it's that makes sense. It's basically a surveillance And now it's like on song. the top 40 of weddings there in America. People do not listen to lyrics, Chris. No. I don't know if you know this. I, I listen it, to them. I know you do, and I, I appreciate it. I not listen to them. Well, I appreciate it very much because it plagues me. <laughs> it must. It's, As a songwriter, it must be really It's the bane of my existence. Do you know... Um, Oh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Colin Hay. Yeah. Lead singer for I Men drink at work. good coffee every morning. Come from a place that's far away. Mm-hmm. And when I'm done, I feel like talking. Without you here, there is less to say. Beautiful. He lives like two Nailed blocks it. from here. Let's go say hey. Yeah, I'd love to. Go say. I'd love to meet hey. him. Hey. Hey, Colin. <laughs> comma. That was, a, that was dumb. Do you I'm know sorry. his song? <laughs> Do you know his song, uh, Beautiful World? I think so. My, 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 it's a beautiful world. Mm. I love swimming in the sea. Mm. 
I like to go out beyond the white breakers where a man can still be free. Yeah. Or a woman if you are one. <laughs> yeah, he's good. It's such a great song because it, it's about simple things. Yeah. The next verse is, I like making my own tea. Yeah. And then there's, I like driving in my car. Yeah, you're right. Huh? Oh, I, sorry. You're right? Yeah, you're right. That's yeah. a New Orleans phrase that's just like, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. And... <laughs> I thought you meant like I'm a writer. No, no, no. It's like, it's like somebody saying something and it hits you and you're like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. And then the last verse he says, um, it's, uh, my, 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 it's a beautiful world. I like sleeping with Marie. Mm -hmm. Uh, she says she doesn't love me, but she likes my company Mm -hmm. for now. That's good enough for me. So the whole song is like, it's about taking pleasure in little things, being present, yeah. and that's all there is. There's a great, since I'm out touring with the Wood Brothers right now, I should mention that they have a wonderful song called Chocolate on My Tongue. Mm. If I die young, at least I got some chocolate on my tongue. <laughs> and it's like every verse is like, you know, it's like listening to good music, and yeah. then you're like loving up your yeah. your sweetheart. And that's it's like, it. and if I die young, at least I got some chocolate on my tongue. Well, people say life is this you know, endless string of disappointments. Well, like, those are people who don't know how to enjoy taking a shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, every time I take a good shit, it's like, well, I'm tired. We talk about this pleasure. all the time because touring, and you know this because you're driving around in a van and yeah. doing crazy adventure stuff. It's it's a really wonderful lifestyle if you understand that if some mm. if a if a sensual pleasure is available to you, you need to be present with it and enjoy right. it. Right. And people who don't understand that should not live a traveling adventure lifestyle because there's a lot of bullshit involved. Yeah, there's a lot of shitty hotel like touring as a musician. A lot of shitty hotels, a lot of waiting in like smelly green rooms, yeah. a lot of like back pain. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it's not an easy life, but so incredibly rich with sensual pleasure. Like mm. every day we're driving around the country yeah, or the world, place, yeah. you're in a new place, you see a beautiful landscape, like you're joking around with your friends, you get to eat a nice meal sometimes, yeah. and then like every night you get up and play music. Yeah. And there's just no, there's only one pleasure that's greater. Yeah. <laughs> And you might get that on tour, <laughs> And too. you usually get plenty of that, too. <laughs> All right. Before we end this, uh, I'm going to put this up right away. So Great. where tell people where your tour is going. And, sure. and then you're going to do another tour with your band. So Yeah. Great. I mean, um, or just send us to the website, carcyblanton.com. Yeah. But in the next week or so, I know you're yeah. going to Santa Cruz. You're getting up the West Coast. Right? Yeah. I'm, uh, we're in California with the Wood Brothers the rest of this week. And then I'm going to be back on the whole West Coast in May. And in between, I'll be everywhere else in the u.s right, so, <laughs> we're hitting every major city in the u.s between now and june so right. please so come to the shows to and carcy bring everyone you know room. yeah <laughs> definitely carcy is fantastic in concert i'll tell you i mean you brought me to tears when i saw you in portland well thank you I'm not saying everyone will cry when they go to see Carson. I hope they do. I love making people cry. Yeah. What song was it? It was, uh, it wasn't loving is easy. What's another song from that record Mm. about love and loss. And it was just Mm. so, Oh, to be seen, to To be be known, to be known. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Oh, that's such a good song. Thank you. All right. I'm going to end this. I'd love to talk to you all day, but you got stuff to do. All right. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Carson. Thank you.
All right, y'all. Hope you enjoyed that. Carsey Blanton, one of my favorite people. Uh, before I play To Be Known, I just want to remind you one more time. Check out Mudwater, M-U-D-W-T-R dot com. Pick up some of that Elixir of the Gods and also uh, Santa Cruz Medicinals, scmedicinals.com. Use the discount code CHRIS5. Get five bucks off your order. These fine people are supporting the podcast. So if you've got the need and you've got the cash, why not throw it their way? Thanks for listening to the podcast and thanks for everything you do to support the podcast directly, whether it's through patreon.com or using the Amazon affiliate link on my website or through PayPal or however you support the podcast. Even if it's non-monetarily, if you uh, put reviews up on uh, ratings up on iTunes or tell your friends or whatever the fuck you do, however you can support it, I appreciate it in whatever form it takes. Thanks for listening. This song is To Be Known. It's by the great Carsey Blanton, and I will talk to you soon. through you.
breaks you open to you singing hallelujah never know the gravity of grace until it hits you like a stone and is 